0: And now for something completely different. World. <laughs> it's a rich, fast world. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story, real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors.
1: Welcome to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn, filling in for Lance Roberts as he gets a little bit of R&R this week. He says he's taken off, Brent. I'm not real sure he is. He claims he's going to be on each one of our meetings this week. I have not
2: seen one tweet out of the man in a week. Well,
1: that's impressive. That is very impressive. I'm happy for him. You know, everybody needs a little bit of a break here and there. I know it's been a while since he's seen his son who's been in Germany, so COVID's screwed that up a bit, so uh, it'd be nice for him to get out and about and... Travel a little bit. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July week. Volume was light last week. We're kind of getting back into the meat of things once again here as we're going to get some earnings. Big news over the weekend, though. Elon Musk backs out of the Twitter deal. He did. This is pretty interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things flying around about this. And I think, you know, one thing to watch is a lot of people are saying this was just a cover for him to actually sell Tesla shares. So kind of an interesting story dynamic there and maybe a a plot, a, a twist there.
3: Uh, you know, yeah, Twitter shares down, what, 7% in pre-market yeah. because of this? I just dig his picture with the sunglasses, with the shades. I mean, what a cool cat. I think, can we do that? <laughs> I, no, I don't think so. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress.
1: It's too early to do no, that. No, I Sorry. don't think I could pull that off. I yeah. mean, but yeah, so, uh, you know, Tesla, maybe they get a little bit of reprieve after they saw that little bit of a downturn there for a bit. But market futures pointing down for the moment. We're also seeing, seeing yields drop just a bit. Uh, Mark is still trying to digest jobs data from last week inflation numbers three-year inflation expectations come out today new york fed john williams is going to come out this uh this morning and talk about or this afternoon talking about the move away from libor what that means for markets uh, gonna get some more information this week back to retail sales initial jobless claims so as we get towards the end of the week we're gonna get a lot more information but you know right now it's been rather interesting we've been bouncing around quite a bit last quarter obviously not a good one uh, we have seen yields come down a bit where We've seen quite a bit of a swing there, John. I think it's really been taking people for a ride in the sense that, you know, we've seen 10 year treasury yields up to three and a half, all the way back down to 2.7, 2.8. Now we're back above three a bit. And so I think it's really difficult for people to kind of really determine where they are. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. What do you do in markets where there's so many swings, especially in this environment where, you know, nothing seems to be working except for cash? But do you bail? Or or do you stay? And I think that's a question for many, and you need to understand where you are. So we're going to talk about kind of a down market survival guide for people, you know, pre-retirees, people who are in retirement. What does that mean for you? Um, Five surprise retirement expenses. Now, we hear this all the time, talking to many different people. uh, Folks are dealing with a lot of different expenses, especially right now with the inflation as high as it has been. And so we really want to dive into some information about that. And then what do you do talking about, Finances with aging parents.
3: That's always a uh, seems to be a very challenging conversation to to bridge, or just how do you introduce the topic to make sure that uh, you know, that mom and dad are taken care of, yeah. right? Or just you know other even not just mom and dad, but other significant you know, members of your family. And just, you know, how are some ways where you can approach that? I know, Danny, I, you know, lately I've been getting a lot of questions about it from existing clients that I'm working with where they say, hey, John, would you mind talking with my mom and dad or just kind of visiting with them a little bit? So sometimes it makes sense to maybe bring a third party in. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely expand on that talk about that a little bit later too.
1: Yep. So, you know, lots to get into today, as well as, you know, COVID restrictions. Looks like China is having some issues once again, sparking growth fears, Uh, obviously a pickup here in the States as well. So a lot of a lot of information that everybody's trying to understand and really get their. Heads around, And so I think that, you know, when we look at the markets right now, we need to really understand where you are as as an individual and a family as far as what that means for you um, and and not make any rash decisions. I think that's going to be one of the bigger things here. You know, what we've seen and, you know, looking at an an earnings recession is what we've been expecting here. Lance has been writing about it. Uh, We've been underweight equities, underweight fixed income, overweight cash, which, you know, like we just mentioned, that's been one of the better places Mm -hmm. to be, unfortunately. And, you know, I, I think that's going to change, though. And so, one thing that we do see is a lot of optimism, in the sense that there's going to be a lot of opportunity here in the future. You know, not just in stocks, but bonds as well. But it's going to be key to understand where you should be invested and where you shouldn't. And you know, we've been doing some things where people say, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" In the sense of placing a trade. Um, you know, we've been trading more than buying long-term positions. Now, there are some things that we're, we're kind of making that list and checking it twice, so to speak, and that we are finding some opportunities that I think we're going to be able to capitalize on here. Um, but maybe just not quite ready yet Um, you know added some trades had qqq full disclosure we've owned that uh, liquidated that last week Um, looking at you know some other small positions as we get back into earnings season once again and we've been beginning to get more data but you know like I mentioned volume has been extremely light Mm -hmm. Um, we've been hoping for that to pick up some to really get some type of um, you know strength into a rally and get some conviction but we haven't seen it and You know, that's one of the things that Lance has been watching for and Mike. And, you know, one thing that uh, I think people maybe you know, it's uh, paralysis by analysis to some extent. And then you also have people, you know, like Lance who maybe just decided to take a couple days off.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think, too, I've been hearing from a lot of folks, too, Danny, where, you know, know, we're just so bombarded by financial news. 24 hours a day. It's on our phones. Mm -hmm. It's on all of our apps. And uh, they're just at the point where, like, John, I'm taking the apps off my phone. I'm just I'm just not going to look at it. I'm not going to let it suck me in every day. I just kind of need to take a step back and get a kind of a fresh perspective. And then like you mentioned, I need to see where I'm at. You know, how mm-hmm. am I currently positioned? Take a fresh look at it because the you know, the media isn't doing us any favors by trying to draw us in and you know, trying to get us with all the headlines and all the red on the screen to really pull you in. I mean, that's that's what they want us to do. They want us they want to pull you in. They want you to listen. They want you to you know, click all over their website. You know, I, I get it. But every once in a while, you kind of need to take a step back. It's so easy to get kind of pulled down into the weeds of the day-to-day market gyrations. And you yes. need to take a step back. And you need to come up and look above over the – you need to look over the forest a little bit and just say, okay, you know, just how am, I, how am I positioned here? You know, are, if, if you feel like you're taking too much risk with your portfolio, if the market volatility this year has been unnerving, then maybe use some opportunities. And Lance mentions this all the time. If there are time, periods of market strength – Maybe that's a good time where you can kind of trim into that and raise a little bit more cash. That's right. Not saying, hey, you need to you need to abandon and go all to cash because how many folks have, do we visit with that went all to cash and back in the great financial crisis in 2008 and you never got back in and you missed out on Or some, they're just getting back just in. Or just getting back yeah. in.
2: And it's, that, it's hard
1: it's emotional i get it i mean well, it's how is. we're it's, wired and it's people's livelihood so i mean you know it's just security and so you need to understand that you know how this works and unfortunately the emotional side it gets the best of us many times sure. and so i can't tell you how many times we've visited with somebody i'm sure you've encountered this as well john where um you know you you're walking out of the office and the wife pulls you aside and says hey we've never made any money in the yeah. markets and well you know you start to figure out why because the moment that you know it goes down with any significance they pull all the way out and then they never get back in and so we're doing the complete opposite of what a fundamental investor should do which is buy high and sell low and we know the number one rule yet it is one of the hardest rules to follow because nobody wants to buy when things there's there's blood in the street right you know Warren Buffett says uh, be greedy when others are fearful, fearful when others are greedy. And you know, that's that's one of the more difficult things to do because everybody wants to ride it up, but nobody uh, wants to start buying when things are down and they've actually, you know, depreciated quite a bit. And so that's where, you know, we talked about the optimism aspect. That's where I feel a heck of a lot better about it. Absolutely. You know? and, and where that we're going to find that. And we've already seen a significant leg down here. Um, doesn't mean we may not see more, but what if you didn't? I mean, the thing is we always try to rationalize these things, especially as they go down. And, you know, look, there's a lot of a lot of headwinds out there. But Things could change quickly. The Fed could, could turn course here. Um, I think these are going to be things to watch for. Inflation. You know, inflation, we are, we're we getting a lot of conflicting data on that. Mm-hmm. Inflation is going to last until 2024 is now the news. Inflation is going to come down by the end of this year. I think we'll see a little bit of both, right? We're going to have some inflation. It'll be a disinflationary environment. We just won't have as much, which will be great. Hey, you're listening to The Real Investment Show. Uh, Lance, Robert is at, Robert, Lance Roberts is out today. I'm Danny Ratliff with John Penn. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Hurricane season is here, and along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go, and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance unfortunately flood insurance rates have skyrocketed don't be at risk let the specialists at ria insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible another service from realinvestmentadvice.com click on the insurance tab
0: realinvestmentadvice.com the real investment show
1: Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. So a lot of talk about inflation. Three-year inflation expectations come out today. Last uh, print was 3.9%. We'll see where, what we get today. I would expect that we will see this decline a little bit over time. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we can see and we, we do can control to some extent is retirement expenses. Yeah. But, man, there are a lot of things that come out and just kind of sideswipe people. They <laughs> blindside you. And, you know, we talk about this on a regular basis on things we can control. And, and, you know, there's some parts of this that we can. There's some parts that we can't. You can't control the price of beef or how much, you know, uh, a carton of eggs are.
3: So can, can I just talk about beef for a minute? Yeah. Great. So over at the Penn household, you know, okay. last week uh, I was I was working from home one afternoon and my wife was in the kitchen. <clears throat> and, uh, and our youngest daughter, who's going, she's a freshman in college, but she's actually staying with us this first year. Okay. You know, helping mom and dad with a little room and board hey and much appreciated uh, much sure. appreciated and uh, my wife had just gone to the store and she brought home a, a steak just just a flat iron flat iron steak for me to cook on the grill that night and I overheard my wife and our, our youngest daughter talking and, and uh, my, I overheard my wife say hey dad's going to be grilling steaks tonight and our youngest goes well what kind of what what kind of meat is it <laughs> and I said what I had to open my door and I said, What did you just say? She said, what, What's the cut of the meat? I said, Well, for you, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> it's a free cut. So, what it doesn't matter if it's New York Strip or whatever, you know, did you have to pay for it? You'll like it.
1: Don't worry. But yeah, it'd be just the price of beef alone.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy.
1: We did the same thing. We actually split one, uh, you know, like yeah. a, a, a flat steak, flat iron steak. And so, yeah, it's uh, the kids are like, Hey, where's mine? Like, this is yours. We're, <laughs> we're going to cut it in pieces. That's right. Everybody. I cut them a little bit smaller pieces so they feel like, you know, they're still eating a lot. It's yeah. the communal steak. It's yeah, the communal it steak. Even the is.
3: dogs are like, can we have some of that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I might have to fight you for it. Yeah, not this year.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that's interesting because, uh, you know, we've talked about this too, but the cost of, of a barbecue for 4th of July went up exponentially. It's like 36%. Yeah. Um, and so people are are feeling that. And, you know, I think people are beginning to change. We're beginning to see behaviors change. People are saying, OK, you know what? You don't get the New York strip. You get the the flat iron steak or you're going to maybe skip it all together and, and buy something else. Uh, you know, hot dogs have even gone out. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. I mean, I watch it with the kids. So uh, but one of the bigger things that we see is hidden housing costs. Yeah. And, and John, maybe. Talk a little bit about what people fail to account for.
3: Sure. I, I think it's when it comes to housing, you know, I, I think when folks are looking at budgeting their expenses, especially if you're transitioning into retirement, you know, it's, it's, you know, if your house isn't paid for and, and nearly, you know, 80% of those aged you know, 65 or older you know, typically own their homes. That's according to the joint center for housing studies of, uh, of Harvard university, but even those that do have a mortgage, they, they, they plan for their, their mortgage payments right? Mm -hmm. They plan for paying their principal and their interest. But then uh, it's the other things that maybe we don't account for. Like, does the house need a new roof? Do you need a new AC unit? Do you need a new hot water heater? Whatever that may be. And so kind of a good rule of thumb that we see folks maybe not take into consideration is maybe take the value of your home and multiply it by 1%. Take 1% of the value of your home, and that could be a, a good rule of thumb as far as what your annual maintenance costs will your annual maintenance costs will be for taking care of the house it's all of those unexpected it never fails especially in Houston July August what happens AC AC unit goes out I've seen so many AC vans up and down the street this week.
1: Well, that's right. And they're tough to get somebody if you need something right. quickly. I mean, now it's almost an emergency call. Oh, you want me this week while well, it's 106? You know, yesterday it was 106 degrees. Yeah. Um, today, I think it's supposed to be 102. Yeah. This has been a rough yeah, summer. Summer had a little
3: rain last night. So, did you did, get
1: the rain? We saw the thunderstorm. <laughs> we didn't get the rain. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The yeah. yard was, was, you know, crying for rain. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's, that's true. I mean, I can't tell you how many people this summer have needed new ACs. I, I mean, oh, they're working in overtime here, and it's uh, it's one of those deals that's pretty difficult. But, you know, another thing that we, we discuss, and, you know, people I think you see on a regular basis, uncovered health care. Yeah. You know, those expenses that people just don't account for, and it's it's one of those things in the sense that, you know, you know what Medicare covers. And Medicare Part A, that's going to be your hospitalization. You're going to have a deductible. Um, your Part B, that's going to be what we're more commonly, most people will use for your um you know, your preventative care or your just ongoing doctor's visits. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of some of the things that it doesn't pay for in part D is going to be your prescription coverage, but you know, many people don't realize once you get into, you know, get on Medicare, it doesn't cover hearing. It does not cover your, uh, your vision and it doesn't cover dental. So these are policies that, you know, they're not too expensive, but you can purchase those kind of a la carte. And then, you know, it's all the extra things that go in go into that that many people just don't think, say, oh, shoot, I didn't realize I was going to have to pay X amount or my, uh, my co-insurance was going to be this mm-hmm. much before I met my deductible. And that's where I've seen a lot of people this year, I mean, just having, you know, as things flare up, old injuries, um, you know, needed surgeries, things of that nature.
3: Yeah. And so that's why I know just... Even in our own financial plans, Danny, when we put financial plans together, when you look at what your expenses are, what you think they'll be, to get a good idea about what your baseline expenses will be, what does it cost for you to kind of keep your lights on, keep food on the table, keep fuel in your vehicles, but then what do you think? What about your your medical care premiums? Whether if it's Medicare or maybe if you're a little bit younger than sixty-five, you're not quite sixty-five years young yet, maybe you're on a private policy or what have you. You know, we separate those medical expenses into their own separate category That's right. so that way we can apply a much higher rate of inflation to those because typically your medical care expenses grow at a much higher rate they do right and then if you know when you turn 85 years young we'll even add some additional out-of-pocket expenses in there because just as we get older you know it costs more to
1: maintain ourselves that's right and you know we we talk about this in a lot of different ways and so um you know that we call it the retirement smile. Yeah, it's kind of a goofy way of, of looking at it, but as you retire, you're typically checking bucket list items off so your expenses are higher, and then we begin to see it come down over time, and then it actually comes best starts to come back up, you know, about 85 because mm-hmm. of healthcare expenses. And you know, that is where it, I think gets a lot of people and understanding, you know, how to actually put that into a plan, account for that. And then inevitably, you know, we see in times like this where people, they just start cutting back automatically. But I'm having a lot of clients who, you know, they were checking those bucket list items off. And some of them are still doing so and doing just fine while others are saying, hey, whoa, we're stepping back. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit where, you know, just sharing experiences. There are a lot of people who are just saying, hey, I'm not doing the traveling right now. It's too expensive or I don't feel good or I want to wait for the portfolio to, to kind of come back a bit. And that's why it's so important to make sure that, you know, you update the financial plan, understand where you are. Because many times, you know, especially the way we look at planning and we really, you know, we're, we're planning worst case scenarios. Right. So 90 some odd percent of the time, I would say, you know, probably closer to 99. If your plan showed that it worked, it still works today unless there was just something, you know, really, really off. Well,
3: you mentioned that maybe some folks are kind of pulling back on spending on their vacations a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I found that they're taking that money and they're putting it into their health savings accounts. Yeah. Love the HSA, right? Absolutely. So, triple tax-free benefits there. Tax, you know, deductible contributions, your earnings grow tax-free, and if you make a withdrawal for a qualified medical expense, it's yep. almost like an IRA for savings in my it, mind. It
1: is the problem that many people the mistake many people do is that they don't use them properly, right? We can, right. we confuse them with an FSA, which is a flexible spending account, which historically has to be spent each and every year or up until March of the following year. And on an HSA, a health savings account, you can actually put those funds aside and if you don't touch them, I mean, what we prefer is that you pay those out-of-pocket expenses, you know, out of your pocket and then any of those medical expenses, you know, you're not going to use the HSA for. You're going to continue to let that grow because you can roll that over from year to year to year, and then utilize that. I mean, we talk about the numbers in retirement for you know, somebody who's 65, a couple. It's astronomical. Health yeah. Services estimated it was 300,000. You know, two years ago, you know, they're getting they're getting closer to half a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with what somebody's going to spend in retirement on healthcare expenses. And this is looking at, you know, any of your, your insurance premiums, your deductibles, any of your out-of-pocket. I mean, this adds up quite a bit. And that's another thing that blindsides a lot of people is just that overall expense.
3: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, we, we need to build that into the plan. We need to stress it. Yeah. You know, and does it work, right? And let's just, let's just it's kind of the, the, the harsh, it's kind of like the, the gorilla in the room. It's Everybody kind of knows it's there, but you really don't want to approach it. Well, you just it's, need it it's to later, right? Yeah. It's kind of down the road. And then all of a sudden, 20, 25 years goes by and you're like, wow, you know, probably should have planned
1: for this, right? Well, or it, put something in place, maybe. That's right? right. That's right. We, we were, uh, we went to the beach for a couple of days this last week and, you know, kind of speaking of planning and my, my daughter who's nine has been like, wants us to go parasailing. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know what? Let me see if we can figure this out. So we, we go parasailing. We're with two other, other families and, uh, It's just her and I and we're sitting there and these other couples are just freaked out, like nervous. I'm telling her, you know what? Hey, it's going to be all right. Don't don't listen. Don't worry about it. And she was just she was cool. No big deal. (laughs) But they start talking about wills. Do you have your will? Do you have this? And this is kind of the same deal. We 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 delay these things, the inevitable that we don't want to discuss. And the same thing goes for health coverage and, and, you know, understanding that, saving for it. You know, the, the HSA is a great tool that many people just fail to, to use or yeah. use properly. Um, same thing goes for, for all those other things that, you know, we have to talk about our mortality or, hey, I'm healthy today. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to be healthy later. When unfortunately, that's just not always the case.
3: Yeah, I know. I know the last time we were on together, Danny, we were talking a little bit about the estate planning piece. And, mm-hmm. and again, we're not estate planning attorneys. We don't prepare wills, documents and such. But uh, I met with a, a couple last week in their early 80s, and um, one of them has some pretty serious health issues. I'm not a doctor. They were just telling me what, what was going on. <laughs> we weren't I didn't diagnose them. them. Don't worry. But, uh, and I said, well, you know, when's the last time you had your estate planning documents prepared? And they kind of looked at each other, and there was complete silence. And they said, well, we haven't done it yet. Oh, man. And I said, they said, this is something that we've been trying to kind of put on our list of things to do for the last 20, 25 years, 25 years. And we just haven't gotten around to getting it done yet. I said, we're gonna make 2022 the year, I'm
1: gonna help you get this done. Well, you can make an argument that that's something they need to do before we even move forward with oh, anything, anything else, else.
3: That is that is the first step that needs to be taken yeah. care
1: of. Number one, number one thing, make sure you have your affairs in order because you know, we don't know when that expiration date is. But hey, you're you're listening to the, to the Real Investment Show. Man, I'm struggling to talk today. Josh. I am too. I think it's, I need just more coffee. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be uh that's going to be during the break. All right, listen to the Real Investment Show. We'll be right back after this quick break.
0: Investment Advice Blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at RealInvestmentAdvice.com. In
2: 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the Houston energy corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the
0: RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show.
1: Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. Hope everybody's off to a great Monday so Brent always puts these, these great kind of jokes with one-liners. Um, just good sayings. And today I, I do kind of especially like, in light of all that's going on, says, mm-hmm. at this point, if I get picked up by aliens, I'm just going to go ahead and consider it a rescue mission <laughs> instead of an abduction. Said, Take me away. I'm ready.
2: Strange, is that what Rich is? Strange times. No, Rich is uh, Rich is trolling you on the YouTube chat. Yeah, I've turned that off today. So Lance isn't here, figured it had to be
1: Rich. We're in a safe zone. Yeah. Everything's good. It's all good, all good. So the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, talking about health care costs or surprises, uh, they estimate that close to 70% of today's 65-year-olds are going to require some type of long-term care. Um, the average is typically about three years, typically starts when you're age 80. Mm-hmm. But the cost is what is just, I mean, it's mind-boggling for many. And I think this is what, John, unfortunately, people hear these numbers and they say, you know what, I'll never be able to save that. I'll never get there. But the average cost was $61,776 in 2021 for an in-home health aid. If you wanted a private room in a nursing home facility, it was $108,000.
3: You just kind of take a step back for a moment and you look at that number and I don't blame folks for kind of being overwhelmed and yeah. saying, I mean, I, I need to take care of my own retirement, my own expenses, let alone that.
1: That's right. I mean, it gets to be very overwhelming. It right? does. Well, and I think some of the problems that we have with this is that we don't back into these numbers as far as how it gets there. I mean, it's like you, you know those numbers of what is your number for talking about retirement, what you needed to retire? And I think that's the number one question you probably receive mm-hmm. as well is how much money do I need, John? And I've, I tell people all the time, hey, I've told people with half a million dollars, they can retire or even less. I've told people with 10 or $15 million, they can't Yeah, because you know, it's all about what your what the outflow is as well. What are your expenses and lifestyle expectations? But you know, something like this, this is a necessity to some extent. Now, most people rely on, you know, you're going to rely on your spouse or a family member. I mean, you know, I, I'm hearing more and more people say, Hey, my kids, those are my built in home health age. Right? Yeah. It's like well have you spoken with them about that well, that's the other deal. <laughs> have I mean, you asked them about it yeah, yeah. no they're not going to have much of a choice though it's kind of what i think a lot of people feel yeah. and, and you know i know there's a lot of a lot of kids are more than willing to do so but that disrupts we see a lot of retirements cut sh- or people's you know work uh time in the workforce cut short retirements are, are done a little bit earlier because of those types of things taking care of a spouse maybe taking care of an, an aging parent um these are really expensive costs.
3: They, they are, and actually, just my neighbor who lives across the street from me. We were out. We're we're some of the only guys on the street. We actually cut our own lawns. We're like the old guys out there.
0: Hey, we're cutting our yard,
3: and we kind of wave at each other, yep. turn off the mower, kind of meet in the middle of the street, and kind of talk a little bit. And uh, I you know I didn't aware I wasn't aware of this, but he's been providing care for his dad. His dad's been living with them. Oh, wow. For 15 years.
1: 15 years.
3: And so he originally thought when he was going to help provide care for his dad, when his dad moved here from out of state, that he was going to be kind of helping his dad kind of get situated and on his feet for, and he thought maybe it would be about two or three years. He said, now it's been 15 years and, you know, I'm just planning on keeping him and taking care of him until I can't provide the level of care that he needs Yeah, because they're trying to kind of push those expenses down the road a little bit.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, what do you do when there's no money there, right? right. You, now now it's a burden on somebody else's retirement. And that's the problem is that you don't want to typically be a burden on your kids. Um, you know, and, and so the other thing that could kick in here is long-term care insurance. But, right. you know, I visited with the client about two weeks ago. Their long-term, he's, in, you know, 80 years old, seventy-nine, 80, Long-term care insurance on 80th birthday went from like 600 bucks all the way to like 720. And then the following year in 2022. Uh, for it's going to go up to over 800 bucks yeah and it started off much much less than that and so that's the problem with long-term care that at least traditional long-term care is that many people they they bought this in the 80s and 90s there were hundreds of companies that were utilizing these types of plans but the actuaries got it so wrong mm-hmm. that they've had to continue to increase the cost and now when somebody's much close to actually needing it they I mean think about that yeah You know, half the retirees out there, more than half, rely on Social Security just for, you know, for more than half of their income.
3: Yeah, I mean, you don't have that, you don't have that paycheck coming in from your employer or if you own your own business, you don't have that revenue stream coming in anymore. So all of a sudden, you're somewhat on a kind of a fixed budget, then how do you account for those annual, those price increases in the premium?
1: That's right. right. And that's it's many people are saying, Hey, I can't continue this. I'm going to have to cut it all together. And that's what's unfortunate about the tr- traditional long term care. Just like any other insurance, if you don't use it, you lose it. And, you know, one thing though, with any long term care is that make sure you back into these numbers. And this is, should really be done with any and all insurance that's out there because, you know, many times we say, Oh, man, it's going to cost you, you know, $60,000. Well, you need $5,000 a month in coverage. Well, they fail to account for the pension, any other assets, potential you know, equity in a home. I mean, all adding all these things up and really getting a very good understanding really is going to help and i think that that's one of the problems that we over insure because we think we need it oh man it's going up so much we need this and you know therefore your your expenses just they really cut into you and it doesn't it doesn't go nearly as far
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's one of the bigger problems so you know be cautious with that but understand that you know don't get overwhelmed by the numbers especially if you're younger and you're listening to this i'd start putting these funds aside right now Um, You're going to be able to use a lot of different types of assets. John mentioned the health savings account. Um, You know, you can be able to use that for some portions of these things. Also, um, you know, put funds aside. You know, we talk about Social Security, Mm -hmm. what that may or may not look like. We can get into that another time because that could be a a whole nother day. But I, I think you need to take these things into consideration. Now, you know, there's also other types of long term care insurance. There's more hybrid policies, which you know, companies are getting a little bit smarter on how they do it, more thoughtful, I think. Yeah. And and these are things that that are more achievable. And you don't have to go and undergo as strictive underwriting. And so those are things that people could look at um, that you could still utilize and and maybe get where you're not paying you and you have a set payment. That's what I really like about something like that is you actually have a set payment versus um you know something that you don't know. Right. It's out of your control.
3: And it maybe has like a little life insurance component to it. Yeah, so if you end up not needing the 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 benefit or maybe you don't use the full benefit, if there's money left over in the tank, so to speak, well, then that can pass on to your beneficiaries or your heirs, Correct, right?
1: Yeah, and this is something I think we'll probably have to do a webinar on because there's a lot of questions surrounding this and really get in the weeds of it. But, you know, so right now we're talking about some of the unforeseen expectations or expenses in retirement. Um, You know, another one that I see quite a bit, John, is a child in crisis. I mean, how often do you see somebody who, you know, parents are giving their kids money, you know, day in and day out, and it becomes to be quite burdensome and really – I've seen it disrupt a financial plan.
3: Yeah, so this actually had this conversation last week. Okay, actually, where uh, you know, mom and dad, they're 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 in that chapter of their life. They're they're in retirement mode, and they had a conversation with their grown son, adult son, probably late forties, maybe early fifties, and the son, at least the son, came clean and said, "Hey, mom, dad, I'm having a little bit of financial hardship here." and uh, you know he's in he's got a pretty hefty credit card debt of nearly, you know, $50,000, right? And the parents are in the dilemma of, hey, do we help him pay this or will that kind of set a precedent where this could keep recurring over and over again in the future? And I get it. Sometimes life's are you curveballs and you need to fall back on credit cards to make things meet. I get it. Unplanned yeah. medical expenses, emergencies, Hey, un- understand. You got to do what you got to do. In this particular instance, this is not the case. This is just pure financial irresponsibility.
1: Yeah. So that's that's what is tough. like you said, right. you set a precedent, and you go to bail somebody out, and they, in the sense that you know you made these decisions. And so that's where I always have a difficult time as well. You know, and you always say, well, you think. You know, oh, I wouldn't do it this way until you get put in that circumstance. Right. And then it's completely different. And So I get it. I haven't had to not in those yet. Kids are still so young, but a lot of experience dealing with people having to go through this type of dilemma. And this is going to be rather big, especially if it continues, because $50,000, that's no small.
3: It's no small pocket of change. And, you know, so the dilemma is, well, maybe they work out some sort of a compromise with him, maybe where they pay some. But he has to be showing and willing that he's paying some, too. I mean, there has to be some clear upfront expectations here from mom and dad to their child. They need to say, okay, if we're willing to help you with this, this is what our expectation is from your side. Or, you know, do they even structure it as like an intrafamily loan? Yeah, I think and, you have to. And, and maybe charge a little bit of that. You know, The IRS sets limits on interest rates on what can kind of qualify for an interest rate for an intrafamily loan. You know, we won't get into the, the weeds here. But you know that that could be part of the conversation
1: as well. It could be the problem that we typically see with that is that once you actually pay that debt off, and now the family member holds that debt, they're not so inclined to pay it. I mean, that's one thing that I yeah. typically see. Like, oh, hey, sorry, mom, sorry, dad, I can't, I can't make the payment this month, and then it just begins to continue to go. And so, really changing habits, setting some really tight structures around that is probably the best thing you can do is yeah. with that to protect yourself. But you have to think of this. When you give family members money, Yeah, I don't know if you can always expect to be paid back. Now, I know that's not – there are circumstances, but for the most part, I would almost view it as a gift is what we tell most people. I would people. too,
3: yeah. Uh, you know, I would just think that you know, you're willing to help out your, your child. You know, in my mind, I'm expecting I'm probably not going to re- see it back, right? Yeah. But I'm hoping through this process that if I haven't already educated them enough financially up to this point – at least make this some sort of a a educational, make this educational, hopefully your child can learn from it to prevent this from happening again.
1: Correct, yeah, um, that, that's the bigger thing, right? And so we do see occasionally where it works out great. I know, I know there's those uh, circumstances out there, though, where it just doesn't. And so yeah. be cautious with that, you know, think of these as gifts, understand the parameters, and really, I think, you know, setting some better... Uh, boundaries and then also explaining and making sure that you're instilling some type of responsibility surrounding this, especially with an older child. Like you said, you're going to have medical events, other things that occur that, you know what, you're going to want to help. Sure. And that's okay. Of course. great. But, you know, sometimes it's a little bit harder than that. We're going to finish this up. We're getting our last segment here. Uh, Talk a little bit about down marker survival guide. What should you be doing in this environment? Uh, You're listening to The Real Investment Show. We'll be right back.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
2: Hurricane season is here, and along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go, and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: The Real Investment Show.
1: Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. So lots of questions, John, about what do you do in a down market? How do you survive this? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, there's some timely things that many people can do. And, you know, one of the things that most sometimes people do is they put blinders on. Like, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to make a change. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And it's easy to do. And I know we, we have lots of conversations where people say, you know what? I just I, I invest and just set it and forget it. And, and the industry teaches us that, that that's typically okay. You know, it it is okay in an up market to some extent. Sure. Now, could we always do better? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But many people who only have savings in 401ks, retirement plans, that's unfortunately what they've done. And now that we've seen a a pretty significant downturn, they're like, whoa, I'm not sure I want to take a look at that. Yeah. And that can be a big mistake. Because if you don't know where you are, how do you know where you're going? And especially if you're getting near and closer to retirement, that can become become a bigger problem than most people would anticipate. Yeah. If you're seeing a bigger downturn, so what would you what, what do you tell people when you're visiting with them as far as, uh, you know, well, kind of assessing where they are? It's uh,
3: one you you, you got to take a look at it. Right. It is as hard as it is sometimes. You, you got to open up the envelopes. You got to look at your account statements. If you're still getting the paper, like the, kind of the old. I like paper too. I'm kind of old school. Um, or just log into your accounts, and you got to take a look at where your balances are, where do you stand, and, the, and just take a really good look at it and get an idea of, okay, so the markets have pulled back this year. Okay, where are you right now? And, and really, where do you want to go? And just and what are the steps that you need to take now in order to get there? So I think that's that's really the first step, and it sounds so basic, but you really just kind of have to get your arms around where you are right now, and you can't be afraid to take a look at it.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key is that understanding, you know, the whole aspect of it. And then, you know, understanding, you know, we talked earlier about, do you get all the way out? Are you all the way in? And and I don't think that there's ever really a time that anybody should do either, right? I think there's going to be a time where, hey, we want to be all in when we have the wind at our back or prices are much cheaper. You know, we, we discussed doing that is probably one of the more difficult things to do while investing is buying when things are really cheap because nobody feels good. You know, somebody's out of work. The economy's been bad. but. I mean, look at what's just occurred. We had the market tanked really before the economy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the market's going to be that leading indicator that's going to, you know, we're going to have that leg down prior to actually seeing, uh, you know, getting the economic data that's going to say, hey, you're in a recession or, you know, like Lance has been talking about, you know, we're moving in towards a a earnings recession. We look at all the companies who have poor guidance for the future. They've lowered their estimates. Um, I think that's going to be something we're going to see a little bit more of. And at that point, we may actually see the bottom and that's going to be where that opportunity lies. And that may not be far down the road. Uh, but, you know, as Lance says, that's those exogenous events. But, you know, another thing that I really love right now, and I think one of the bigger mistakes that people make in this in this type of uh, this this part of the cycle is they stop contributing to the 401k or stop saving altogether. And that can be a big mistake. I think you could turbocharge that and really take advantage of this. You know, we talk about buying low and, you know, there's a lot of companies out there right now that, that we like, and we think that, you know, some of them we're holding on to. Or we have clients that are holding on to them because we think, Hey, in a year or two years, they're going to be higher than where they are today. And I think if you can buy things when they're cheaper though, as well, that's a nice thing to have that wind at your back in this environment.
3: Or what I'm noticing too now that, you know, and we have had the pullback in the market, mm-hmm. right? It, yes. Can it go lower? Yes, it can. Um, but now folks are starting to kind of get a little bit excited yeah, because things are starting to look like they're on sale a little bit. That's and right. So when you're talking about turbocharging savings, they're looking through their budget and they're figuring out, okay, if I can trim back here or maybe I don't need to do this expense, hey, I'm not going to spend the big trip this year. I'm going to take that money. I'm going to put it over into my savings. And you do, they kind of look at it year by year and say, I plan to save this much this year, this much in 2023, this much in 2024. And over time, that's, a, that's incredibly significant.
1: Right. It, it adds up. And so I think that's a big part of the, the savings aspect is understanding where can you pull those funds from and, and really getting a, you know, we talk about the four letter word, uh, the budget. Right. You know, nobody yeah. likes the, the B budget. word. But but that's one of the things that I think you're seeing successful people do who will do well in retirement because they understand where those funds, where they're going and they understand, well, okay, well, I can cut back here because then I can put funds here. Right. And and you're right, you know, we talk about the optimism surrounding where we are. I don't know. That kind of scares me a little bit too, because I think when we want to really invest, nobody's gonna want to invest. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be that that type of environment. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll see what happens here. But, you know, one of the other things that many people can do in this this time is Take control of your retirement date. Now, I think this is a little bit more difficult. You know, we always want to say, well, I'm going to retire at this at this stage. And we actually find out that people retire, the average retirement age is like 62, 63. Most people say they're going to work till 65. But, you know, those things we've talked about in the sense of uh, people, you're taking care of a loved one. Those unforeseen expenses or expectations or things that just happen, that's what I think sidetracks many, many of these plans. But if you can control it, and you could say, hey, I can continue to work, or I can do contract work, or I can work a bit. You know, we've talked a lot about all the people out there who, um, they're doing side gigs. Yeah. Or they go work at Home Depot, or Academy, Bass Pro Shop, doing things or, you know, working somewhere where they they have a passion for it.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, uh, not just a couple weeks ago, visited with a gentleman, and he's in his late 70s. I mean, he doesn't look like he's over 60. I don't know what his secret is. It's probably because he's still working and still very active and he just said you know when i when i do decide to st- i just love what i do he said john i just really love what i do i don't see it as work and i'm very blessed that i can continue to do my job very well but at some point i do want to step away workless hours i'm just not the type of person to just kind of sit at home and do nothing he said i'm going to go work at costco and be a greeter i just love talking with people and i said well, go do it right and so to your point that that retirement date it, and it's it, it can be a moving target at least put something in place to say, okay, by this age, whether if it's 60, 62, is it 65 years young? Where I say, hey, at this point, I either want to see if I can retire fully or, you know, is it possible? Can I even retire fully? Or will I need to have a couple years of some part-time income, consulting work, just to help supplement that, that kind of that transition as you're going into those kind of those retirement chapter years of your life So just even we've seen where two to three years of some, you know, even just part-time income can be so significant where you're not necessarily having to pull from the portfolio yet. The portfolio hasn't had, doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting at that point. You kind of phase into it.
1: That's right. And I think that's the the big aspect. You know, we, we like to say, okay, we want emergency funds. We also want a financial vulnerability cushion. And that may be for just, you know, life throws you a curveball and you need to make a big change. Um, But also we also want to plan within the financial plan. What happens if you go to retire in the market's crater? Can you survive that? And I think that's one of the bigger things that that needs to be looked at. And if you're using realistic expectations, or even even maybe, you know, maybe they're not so realistic in the sense that we're gonna really stress it and say, hey, you're gonna have really low returns, you're gonna have bad years, then historically after bad years, you have some of the best, mm-hmm. but we're gonna say, we're not even going to have that. We're gonna have really low returns right after these, these bad years or a recession can your portfolio withstand that and what does your withdrawal strategy look like you know how are you pulling from these funds do you have that cash buffer where you can say hey you know what i don't have to pull from this asset at the moment i can pull from other areas which is going to give you the the ability to see these things come back you know we've we've talked about the uh the lost decade if you invested in 2000 and stopped in the s p 500 how long it took back just to get back to even. It doesn't mean every year is bad. And you know, if you read the newsletter or even just listen to the show a lot of times, you'll hear Lance say, "We think we're going to ha- we're going to struggle to have better returns or higher returns and you know, we may see lower for longer." Now, it doesn't mean that every year is down or zero. It just means we could see a year like this year where, you know, it's down a little bit more than usual, mm-hmm. quite a bit more. What's the impact and how long does it take for somebody to get back? Now, it's even worse when you're taking out distributions.
3: Yeah, it is. And so, and, and, and part of our portfolio strategy, we always have some cash component in there. You know, and like Danny mentioned earlier, we're holding more cash and we've been raising cash from the beginning of the year, just so portfolios can be positioned more conservatively in, in the volatile environment. But outside of what, let's say, you know, in even in portfolios, we prefer clients to have an extra set of cash funds set aside for that very reason. You know, you know, a couple of weeks ago, visited with a gentleman who he, he lost his job due to COVID in April of 2020. He just now found work. Wow. Yeah. So, but he had two to three years worth of expenses set off to the side that he was able to pull from. And so even with the market being down this year, he had the flexibility where he wasn't having to pull from assets that were pulling down. He wasn't having to sell equities when they were at a lost position just to get principal out of his account.
1: Well, that's the key, is, is that do you have that cash buffer? Right. Do you have other funds set aside that are going to allow you to do so? And also, do you have the, uh, the gumption to be able to say, hey, we're going to stick this out in this aspect, and maybe you've already raised some cash, took some profits. That's always a great thing. We think you know, we're more buy, hold, monitor, sell, uh, never typically you know all in. Now, beginning of the year, we had very little cash on hand. Right. It's a much different story today. Now, would I like to have more? Heck, yeah, I think everybody would at the moment. But that's all part of it. But you also talked about people having to make lifestyle changes, and I think that's one of the bigger things that, that we can control to some extent. We had a lot of clients who back in 2020, they lost their jobs. I mean, many were saying, hey, Danny, don't worry. I always fall back on our feet. We get a job quickly, um, You know, especially here in Texas very big component the energy industry Mm -hmm. is is, makes up a lot of you know where people work and it just didn't happen as quickly as most people anticipated so and and a lot of their friends who they typically could rely on to call they were out of work as well they were so now they said okay you know what we're going to sell the house we're going to cut back we're going to lower our expenses in these areas and we're going to make this work and many were able to do so but that's not the easy way you know that that that's a very hard decision to make and you know you hope and pray like your, your client just saw, they went back to work and things are good.
3: And I, one gentleman, he drove a school bus. Yeah. Just to help make ends meet for his family. And he did what he had to do to make it work. And I
1: said, I tip my hat to him. I said, good for you. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. I know we talked about some of those things that just aren't so fun to talk about, uh, you know, life and death and all the things in between. Yay. But yeah. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Real Investment Show. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Rich Rosso and Chris Behan will be here. Uh an abbreviated version while Lance is out. We'll be back. He'll be back here next Monday. Look forward to seeing you guys this week.